Welcome to this week's episode of London Heal. I am your host, Tatiana Kasesanov. As many of you know who tune in, London Heal is about mind, body, spirit, because I truly, honestly believe that you can't separate these things and they're all involved and they're all absolutely central to having a healthy mind, a healthy body and a healthy spirit. And curiously, spirituality is the one area perhaps that we haven't really dipped into um, extensively. And part of the reason for that was also finding the right people to talk to. And I think I've managed to do that this week. So I would very much like to welcome my guest. I'm deeply honored to have as my guest, Igor Kofayev. Igor is an artist an Advaita Tantra teacher and founder of the Flowing Wakefulness, Wakefulness Fellowship. Igor has been serving as a conduit of transmission for awakening towards the new era of heart-centered consciousness. Speaking from direct realization of oneness, he inspires all seekers of truth to recognize the fullest potential present in, at human birth. He travels extensively, offering gatherings and retreats worldwide, and Igor currently resides with his wife, Amrita Devi, and their two children in Mallorca, Spain. First of all, Igor, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. Lovely. I'm really, really honored, and it's a great, great privilege to have this conversation today. Wonderful. Igor, um, as we talked a little bit offline, um, I think perhaps the extensiveness of your teachings of the uh, traditions from which you come are so enormous that there's no way that we could cover those topics in a in a short interview. So perhaps I'd like to start by asking you some questions and you can maybe bring in those teachings and explain them as you go along. I think that would be most useful for everybody. And one of the things that really struck me is that if you go out into the world of the internet these days. I, I remember 20, 30 years ago, when I first started on my spiritual journey, if you told somebody that you meditated, they thought you were very strange and put you in a corner. Um, these days, everywhere you look, there are um, different people offering different things and people are most definitely searching. And the other thing that I think is very clear is that we are suffering a spiritual crisis in the world. Um, people are opiate addicted, they are suffering from huge cases of anxiety, of depression, all of these things which give you the feeling that something's not quite right. Would you like to talk about that a little bit? Because I'm sure that you see that very strongly in your own work. Sure, well, first, yes, it's true that um, Many of these, we could call them timeless modalities, have become part of the daily life of even average householders. And meditation, awakening, yoga, and all forms of transformative practices have been introduced as they were coming from various uh, geographical places of origin back to the West, as it were, perhaps to, in response, perhaps to the necessity of time, because there was this a very, very interesting situation that was forming where these spiritual teachings begin to come more 
um, to the Western soil at the time when the West perhaps was experiencing this euphoria on, in the wake of the scientific breakthroughs. If we look back, let's say, the first quarter of the 20th century throughout the 40s and 50s and 60s and by the 70s, of course, there was a true meditation revolution as it was called at the time, the term coined by Muktananda, meditation revolution and my own teacher, His Holiness Maharishi Mahesh Yogi brought transcendental meditation into the household alive and made it made it accessible to millions of people who otherwise would never never try uh, anything of the kind because it was too much associated with very specific practices born on Indian subcontinent. But that being said, uh, I totally agree with you that ours is the time where despite this distinctive move towards distinctive uh, interest and move towards this, let's call them for the time being alternative modalities, the state of affairs when it comes to what it means to live harmonious, balanced, healthy life is more pressing than ever. Of course, um, we obviously cannot expect that certain spiritual methodologies that have been introduced a few decades ago, or maybe even half a century ago, can already transform the world because we are perhaps to touch here even a little bit uh, the very ground upon which the notion of what it means to be well in its totality really represents here. So when you have suggested us to talk about uh, something for your show, what came to mind to me immediately is perhaps to address some fundamental basics, which will be helpful for everyone because it doesn't even matter what the level uh, of someone's understanding. But if we are to speak of anything to do with health and healing, we need to first agree what to do with these terms. Because by healing, if we speak of the healing of the body, and in body-mind medicine, in somatic, uh, somatopsychic and psychosomatic perspectives, in the field of neurophysiology, uh, let alone quantum uh, physics, we now essentially have arrived to a place of understanding that we cannot separate anything in this, what we call ourselves here as a human being, because it's a very, very uneasy thing to draw a distinctive line between one field and another field and yet another subfield. And so it goes into greater, greater subtlety. However, 
with that being said, there are distinctive, we could say three levels. And this, I would speak a little bit to uh, what do we mean by that? And we have to define this. So when we speak of these three levels, we speak of the, let's first define them as gross, subtle, and causal. This would be also um, giving, due, giving it due to the perennial traditions, which recognizes to be the ABC of spiritual um, inquiry. The gross level corresponds to the physicality of our being, the body, the body made of the tissues with all its functioning. The subtle level would then in turn correspond to this very, very refined process of neurological activity associated with the functioning of the movement of the subtle force in the body. In yogic and Vedic terms, these are simply known as system of chakras. But if people are not familiar with that term, we can replace it simply for a subtle network of very, very refined um, neuro, neuro pathways of energy. Let's just settle on that. And then there is a level which is called causal, which corresponds to that causal real, which essentially as the very term means that where things originate, germinate. Causal, if we are to again lean on that yogic tradition that would be in relation to the karmic. The real, which essentially corresponds to the accumulation of all our, of our actions, which then results in what we call that causal realm, results in our individually bound karma. So speaking of healing, every holistic system deals with three levels of, if you will, originating well let me let me just maybe rephrase it these three levels although interconnected they are distinctive each in their own way because some illnesses and some imbalances are simply dealt at the level of where that is manifesting itself and where that is being treated very often successfully if someone essentially knows what one is doing. So an example of that would be if it's a seasonal cold and we've been run down, then it will manifest in greater possibility of catching that virus, that flu. It finds its ways in the physiology and expresses itself as the body tries to heal itself with rise of temperature, fever, 
and all the systems of the body will be mobilized to act and interact in such a way so that it will be localized, mobilized, and dealt with. Given enough rest, given certain maybe supportive um, nourishment in the form of herbs and form of uh, beverages and the right food, it will be very easy to deal with because this is all at the level of the body. It's at that gross level. So in other words, this is the area of the healing which takes place at the level of the body. It's pertinent to the body and therefore one works at that level. Skillful physician will simply administer certain procedures to help the body to heal itself because the body already programmed to do so. Then things become a little bit more complex. Certain illnesses are no longer the expression at the level of the physical realm, at the level, at the level of the gross realm. They have deeper roots. They have perhaps been brewing, generating over years, decades, in some cases, lifetime. And when that happens, of course, the treatment here on the level of the body will not suffice. And this is where the holistic modalities of all alternative forms of medicine squarely agree upon. It's not about treating the symptoms, it's about treating the very cause. So it's going to the cause all the way to such um, dramatic manifestation of illnesses as let's say HIV, cancer, and all the terminal and chronic conditions which are life-threatening and certainly threatening the well-being of the individual. But what we're doing now, we're simply giving this introspective uh, perspective so that we understand that we cannot just speak about health, balance, and harmony in general terms, because it's as it were, we need to understand where is the limitation of one area need to be left behind and the physician or the one who is there to be healed is advised to be working from another dimension altogether. And we have seen it many times. If someone, for example, has illness manifesting at the physical level, but the root cause of that rests elsewhere, it doesn't matter how fantastic, amazing, even uh, advanced the applications are, they're bound to fail because it's not addressing the very cause. An important footnote to add here, irrespective of where the imbalances originated, it will bound to manifest itself at the level of physiology because that's the final level, if you will, where the reality is fully expressing itself. Because our physiology here now, speaking in terms of, or using that more conscious vocabulary, our physiology is seen here as that expression 
of that creative intelligence. So the entire human physiology is for the purpose of that expression, for the purpose of that creative expression. So obviously the body is seen here in a slightly different light that perhaps has been uh, agreed upon in certain more orthodox systems of medical treatments where the body is being scrutinized, analyzed, dissected and seen as this machinery of its function. function. Here, of course, we speak of the body as the expression of consciousness. So going back to that um, perspective on different levels, the subtlest level, of course, again, in relation to the manifestation of the illness or disease, the subtlest level would be that karmic reality, the causal reality, which we have no access, we have no conscious access whatsoever. It's the most, if you will, unpredictable and the least um, accessible reality. We have no, no access to that area precisely because everything there in the form of a seed, it's not yet manifested it's itself into anything. And this is very important to understand because certain illnesses, certain diseases, they spring from that field. Very often against all the odds, seemingly healthy functioning individual suddenly begins to develop, develop certain symptoms that uh, totally go against the very, very um, common sense of what we know about um, this or that individual. So why that is, is because something comes to fruition here, something which has nothing to do even with the activity of the body how much this person could be doing exercise, seasonal detox, having a good diet, good relationships, all that kind of gamut of what would be considered from New Age perspective as that perfect, perfect uh, blueprint for living happy and healthy life. And suddenly the illness breaks through. And this is a simply and precise example of the originating nature of that. It simply comes from that karmic reality. Now, ancient civilizations and traditions where this understanding were part and parcel of continuous practices knew how to deal with certain illnesses and diseases because the uh, analysis would be made very carefully to determine where certain condition comes from. And of course, this would be very often at the mercy or to the degree of experience 
of the physician or someone who is in a position here because physician could be here, let's say, a shaman in certain culture, cultures, in certain respective traditions. Not necessarily a physician in the sense of that term we understand today. And the reason why I'm giving this example is just to illustrate that whereas administering anything at the level of the body would be considered useless, different methodology would be applied. The methodology which would aim at working at either subtle or the karmic level. If we say something like um, to appease the field of divine energy, so to appease the field of subtle um, impulses of creative intelligence, right? Those, those very, very refined forms of energy that somehow came to a state of disharmony. So speaking in that more mythological language, it's like certain gods need to be propitiated. And they cannot be propitiated by portions of the huge amount of vitamin C or antioxidants, like Q10, or giving anything at the level where the body, body's immune system is boosted. The immune system here is not even spoken, pert spoken pertinent to the physiology of the body. The immune system here is spoken of more in terms of that what Indian philosophy termed as ahamkara or the field of one's individual identity. In fact, ahamkara or the field of one's individual identity, that field of individual identity that ahamkara stands for, if you will, the very subtle dimension of the ultimate functioning of the immune system. So in other words, the immune system here is spoken not in terms of how well this or that body can fight certain um, invasions of otherwise threatening viruses and performing its function in, in, in all and through all the functions of the body. But it is spoken in terms of that precisely field of identity of an individual in the larger sense of its cosmological well-being in totality. So this is where the physicians of the past, and may I suggest successful physicians of the days to come, if we are to really begin to face this dilemma we are in, would have to work at the respective levels which may require completely different methodology, very often would require a completely different methodology and application. May I go back to, uh, and, and pick up on the word that, that you said there, that, that you described this as karmic, because I think it's a very, very difficult situation. I come across this a lot in my own work. Um, to 
get a person to understand workings at that level without getting to making the mistake of blaming somebody. I think to understand that a certain amount is it it's, is your responsibility in terms of it's something that's happening in your field is not the same thing as actually making somebody responsible in terms of you consciously did something wrong and therefore you're now being paid back for it. Could you could you speak a little to that too? Because I think this is a really relevant point. I've I've had so many people who have been put into this position of feeling guilty about being, it's bad enough that they're sick, but now they feel guilty about it as well. I really like to clear that up because I think that's hugely important. Well, yes, it's, it's very, very subtle topic. And whenever we speak of causal or karmic impacts and also Perhaps we should mention that there are people, peers in the field who reject or deny the validity of karma because in some circles it's simply seen as well certain anachronism of a certain culture. Whereas karma spoken here purely in terms of scientific terms it's that law of cause and effect. So if everything is energy, as scientists tell us, then it is up to the minute interaction between various fields of energies that what we have is the local picture and the sum total of that as we know it. So in other words, we could, see, we could see this not in terms of something, I've, I've done something as an individual and now I'm harvesting the fruits of my actions. At times that could be helpful perspective, but it's only perspective which deals with one facet of the law of karma. Perhaps more helpful understanding here when it comes to um, the law of cause and effect would be simply introducing the complexity of that what goes in the making of karma. And karma is not a kind of a homogeneous field. There are different degrees, arons sometimes I call them. In tradition speaks of them as this type of karma, then yet another type of karma, and yet another type of karma. I will relax the specific Sanskrit terms so as not to burden the uh, audience with having to make sense out of them. But just to say, there is a karma which is absolutely fixed at birth. It's something that we simply come into the world with and it's given to fight against it or not being happy. It's, it's simply a lack of understanding, lack of proper apprehension of how things are. And this is why in certain cultures, this is taught from a very early age. It has very little to do with fatalistic perspective of accepting one's circumstances in life. Not at all. 
It's rather making one understanding the set of circumstances with which one is to progress further on the path of one's evolution. And these circumstances are always conducive for the soul's growth one way or the other because it works inseparable from that. What could be seen here are like an unfair payoff. Then there is another current of karma which we go along in the making, so to speak. Every step we make has this activation that, or rather it's active at every step. And in that, we are always faced with the choices, if you will. These choices, if you will, were that very subtle field of free will is introduced where the fork we take sets something in motion which would be completely different if we are to take another possibility which is always given. We seldom exercise that, of course, and one who has more of a philosophical predisposition, more reflective predisposition, would encounter and realize that sooner or later, that life is that constant, constant decision-making of what that fork on the road represents from insignificant in terms of its everydayness to the life-changing decisions which sometimes we are confronted with and it's unavoidable, we know that this decision now is really impactful. But that goes throughout, it's literally life is made out of that. And it is that decision-making, my new decision-making is where we are weaving projecting outward. It's that portion where karma, if you will, is mendable. We are literally holding the reins of our, of that portion of, of that current of karma in our hands. It's of supreme importance that we make our decisions consciously. And this is where many traditions emphasize is that there is a world of difference between being swept by circumstances and simply being carried or consciously making decisions. So that already gives us, gives us a great understanding on this causal real. Yet there is a third, third stream or current of karma, which is yet to come. It's that portion of karma which we have no idea about. It's completely hidden. The first type is known to us, being born into a certain family, to a certain race, with a certain DNA, right? Certain mm -hmm. genealogical line. It's already given. But that third kind is 
is yet to come. It's in fact, that's how it is translated. That portion of that current that is yet to come. And it can be anything, anything. It's absolutely unknown to us. There's no access. Yes, some people have clairvoyant gifts, psychics, but we're not talking about that because this is not really helpful. What is helpful is what is relevant to all of us as human beings here because this law is present and active in all of us, independent what views we hold about. So going back to that, what you've um, brought to perhaps to comment on, where people who have been confronted with certain, um, let's say, realizations when it comes to their health, uh, realizations which sometimes can have this devastating impact on their self-esteem and a sense of their identity. This is all, of course, boils down to more, again, conscious way of life. So whenever we are lacking in consciousness, anything can knock us off of our feet. Anything, because there is this taking things for granted. It's very well known. So it would also be unfair not to mention something which is proverbial, how these life-threatening situations or realizations very often become life-changing, transformational events in one's lives. And myself, who temporarily worked for four years as a pranic healer, which was a short period of time during my spiritual unfoldment, which I was, by the way, then still based in London, I have encountered that, how ambivalent that could be, how the life-threatening illness that someone is confronted with, if not fully brought to the mobilization of the entire system of that being, and then healed, let's say, in a miraculous way by this so-called divine intervention through the hands of this or that skillful healer, could often be a bypass now, in this case, a karmic bypass for this or that individual, because somehow, in certain cases, the possibility is created where the full impact, and now we're speaking about psychophysiological impact, has been diminished. In other words, that impact, what it's now was there as a matter of making or breaking it, has been, if you will, eliminated. And the profound, let's call them lessons, or profound realizations that were there as a silver lining of this or that calamity in the form of illness, were removed. You see, so this is a very, very, it's much more complex perspective we're dealing with here. Therefore, the work of the healer is so, so tricky. So in other words, I often feel 
ambivalent, and I often speak about this when it comes um, when the occasion presents. In my experience, people are flocking. Many people go to receive miraculous healings, and there are figures out there who hold this um, aura of that miraculous, of that ability to heal miraculously. It's like they, they hold it, and it's in the collective consciousness. And I have observed how people who tend to go for this kind of healing often refuse somehow. There is this element of facing what is really, really being presented now in terms of that, what illness really here represents. And when we speak about this, uh, it's very maybe um, important for us to remind ourselves that we live in that very perplexing time. It's a transitory time. It's a time of transition. We all sense it to whatever degree. Millennial transition or whatever transition from certain outlived cultural values. And we are certainly experiencing the lack of unifying ideologies, properly unifying ideologies. We live at the time of outlived um, social and political ideological structures and uh, slogans which no longer coherently coherently bound our existence to each other. In those times, illness breaks free, as it were, as a result of that, what becomes collective trauma. An individual illness, if treated completely isolated from what it may represent, again, again, maybe, maybe a wishful thinking or some kind of act in vain that we're somehow fixing this individual which it never is truly, truly autonomous uh, being in, in any way, anyway. So this is why I'm fascinated by that uh, topic of that, that what healing really represents. Not only because I worked as a healer and then consciously transitioned, if you will, to hold a different position because there are certain reminders that were, give, were given. One of them I will just bring not to undermine the job of healers and physicians, not at all. This should not be understood as black and white. But when it came to that choice which I was presented with, the words of my own guide, spiritual guide, were brought to my awareness. And it is known that Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, when asked on these forms of psychic healing, he mentioned something, that when something is healed, something else would need to be healed. And then something else would need to be healed. There is constantly, constantly, something that would need to be healed. And you need to make a conscious decision. What is it really you want to heal here? This was 
immediately brought that moment of clarity and realization that all healing takes at the level of consciousness and nowhere else really. Of course, even um, authoritative scriptures, they say that all imbalances, all illnesses in the body or the mind are the result, result of the improper movement of life current in the body. It's all due to the imbalance in the movement of that what in China known as Qi, in India known as Prana. The movement of life force, life current, variously called. If you study Ayurveda, you will have this terminology. If you study pranic healing, if you study psychic healing. But it's all about movement of energy in the body. If there is some obstruction, if there is some imbalance, then it's only a matter of time before it will begin to manifest itself as this or that. If it's only, if you will, we can just term it a seasonal change, which requires adjustment, then it will pass as that sneeze, as that cold, as that fever, as that reboot. And certain, um, very simply to apply procedures that are in tune with the laws of nature would restore that harmony. And then the body then flows with the rhythms. The body then flows with the seasons. The rhythms, the seasons, rhythms are very, very important. Mm -hmm. But of course, uh, I wanted to bring also another dimension maybe to this discussion to highlight or to introduce that there are different also dimensions to healing. And this is where it's no longer pertinent just to healing the body. Because the body is that final projection. And many of the illnesses that we have been witnessing in the past century, unexplainable, then we try our best to explain them. And there's this epidemics of certain conditions, right, that are chronic conditions we're observing. A direct result of violating certain common sense, certain what in Ayurveda is simply known as common sense, living in balance, in harmony with nature. Which nature? Our nature. Not just nature out there. There's no nature out there. We are that nature and that nature is us. So it's whenever we are out of sync with that, then illness is standing already behind our back only to take over as a result. This, these are proverbial, very well-known facts of life. So it's an interesting, interesting um, theme or topic that you've chosen to tackle. <laughs> it is, it is. And uh, there's, there's never a lack of, of sources of, of places to look for, for answers. Um, one thing that you said there struck me, um, because I've definitely experienced this myself, and I think anybody who's involved with um, other teachers, some of which now work on very, very large platforms, they address 
thousands of people at, at any one time. You see a lot of people there who are very sick. Um, I agree that on the one hand, sometimes they're looking for healing from the outside. But I think what you also mentioned, which I think is is a very, very interesting point, is that that is often the doorway to starting a, a spiritual journey sometimes it's like if you know the the spirit's been knocking on the door but you haven't been listening and and it has to get louder and louder and louder before you sort of sit up and take notice um what interests me is that um certainly from a yogic perspective we often hear about part of being on that spiritual path is having a healthy mind and a healthy body in order to be able to expand consciousness. And yet that's exactly the point where a lot of people come in very broken. Um, is that is that something that they can still attain? Can one be too ill to go on a spiritual journey? Can one be too old? You know, where the, where the body um, and the mind perhaps have, have started to break down through age or disease is can one be too ill to go on that journey? If we somehow begin to limit the ability of individual, and individual here is spoken of as a totality of what it represents, then in doing so, we will be limiting consciousness. And we cannot do that because the first and foremost principle is if we are to speak from consciousness-based perspective, then it is the consciousness that the only mover and shaker. It is always down to consciousness. And it doesn't matter what are the respective levels of where consciousness, yes, manifests itself as this causal, subtle, physical reality. It is not limiting consciousness itself. Therefore, magical, mystical, miraculous here is not in terms of something out of ordinary. It's the language of consciousness. So therefore, this extraordinary cases of recovery have been inseparable from the proper sense of recovering one's loss of sense of self. Because again, whether we want to go there or not, if we are speak of health, then it's what perspective we are given here. What point of reference? In our day and age, the point of reference, one way or the other, is this body, this mind, this individual. Because this is the result of that, may I call it, a regression in understanding that took place. And it became a culturally accepted platform of understanding. It's a collectively accepted perspective. So it's not that we shouldn't speak with reference to the body because this is, if this is the majority of our understanding and relating, then of course we should speak from that perspective. 
But it doesn't mean that we should not introduce or bring the diametrically different perspective, which is consciousness-based. So it's, it's with reference to what is actually going on rather than what we somehow perceive. And this is where it's becoming much more like a quicksilver. This is where it's not a matter of uh, dissecting and not the matter of getting to that where we feel that we hold the keys to how to remedy this and that because remedy here does not belong to the level of how we can manipulate the cell and this is now spoken with reference to the way the orthodox medical system treats the body it works at the level of the cell and how it can manipulate certain cellular activity. Whereas the body is a quantum field and it exhibits and displays very different, sometimes contradictory um, displays of what actually the body is here as a manifestation. Therefore, in holistic, uh, from the holistic perspectives, where that healing that we have touched up on just a little bit, if something no longer working, and we know we're dealing with something much more subtle and deeper, then another modality is being introduced. So instead of working at the level of the cellular structure, the level of the tissues, at the level of fixing the body, trying to find the remedy. Now the genetics, the, the science of genetics is at a very advanced stage and it talks about uh, symbiosis of the artificial intelligence and the biological life, which is, in my perspective, is utterly anti-scientific in a sense. It's not scientific in the sense of understanding of what actually is going on. All processes are here pertinent to the way the life force orchestrates everything. And the life force in the body is consciousness. What makes us human beings is the fact that we are conscious beings. So in other words, these terminal illnesses, these cathartic events, very often the points of departure where the possibility of something which outlived itself can melt down or break down for something new to be born, for something new to spring forth into life. So it's a real life and death situation. And without uh, having to dramatize that, the very aspect or the presence of that drama is what makes it into a possibility of a quantum leap quantum change. Without that element, it's a placid affair. Obviously, when we go sneezing about, you know, if there's something I can just put a plaster on, I'm not going to go about changing anything radically. But if I'm receiving a verdict, well, you know what, tough. You've got only that many months left, my dear. And I'm sorry, I cannot do anything about it. That's a very different message. 
suddenly I'm in the presence of in-time mobilization of everything that I have at my disposal here because it's a survival we're speaking about here. So in that mobilization, of course, what is being mobilized is not just, oh, how am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? But also it's accompanied very often by realizations, epiphany, sudden, sudden insights where this tremendous reservoir, because what human being is as a field of energy, it contains, contains in itself this tremendous reservoir of infinite possibilities of how it can go about certain, um, well, certain very, very pertinent situations. Where very often, if we are to speak about here, to the nestling of the illness in the subtle, would be simply due to the fact that there was this gradual accumulation of stresses and traumas which haven't been able to be processed. And it reached a critical moment when it has no way to go anywhere, so it hits the body. And it will hit the body where the weakest link is. So then, of course, we can talk about uh, where is the weak link and how, yes, we, it's a whole thing in its own right. We can speak about why someone will hit in the joints, someone will hit in the liver, someone will hit in the gut, in the heart, and you know. It, there will be so many different areas all pertinent to where that weak link was developed in the body. All due to, of course, then, then the, the holistic perspective that where we have sinned against the common sense. That's what really here, here, Ayurvedic perspective. It's not sin in a sense of religious connotations. It's simply, simply sinning against the common sense. So if that was repeated, ongoing and prolonged, then that will, pre, that will create that weak link where these unprocessed traumas will have nowhere to go. They have to manifest themselves. They have to, because this is also, also the way the subtle level of the body begins to rid itself of the stresses. So now we're introducing yet another perspective on the illness. Illness in itself is a radical way of the system to recover itself. Illness itself, very often, I would reiterate, is this dramatic attempt to reboot itself. So therefore, we have to be so careful when we treat these illnesses, because if the application of methodology, as very often with orthodox systems of medicine and healing, would be to suppress, would be to um, inject the body, you know, or perform radical forms of evacuation, right, destruction and uh, removal of all this, right, like, like in the chemotherapies and treatments of cancer. But the cause is not addressed. That only further weakens the body, further weakens the system. And the results are very often, as what we have spoken, 
or is bypassing that which was as the blessing in disguise. And this is why they have to be, um, we need to educate ourselves more and more in our day and age where we place our understanding up on what is the platform of our understanding. If it's this still materialistic uh, platform, materialistic perspective, then we are kind of caught in that circle. We are caught in that circle and cycle of not really knowing what's going on. We desperately try to heal the body. <laughs> the problem is elsewhere altogether. But mm -hmm. is only that final area where the drama simply begins to play itself out. So, dear listeners, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Igor as much as I did. We are actually going to slip over into a second episode with Igor because there's just so much to talk about. And he has this magical way of... of relaying information with his extremely profound and deep insight that uh, I didn't want to to shorten anything so we're going to split it out to two episodes. This one was predominantly about health and I think you hopefully have gone away with a, a deep appreciation and understanding of that health is perhaps as I have always said so much more than just what goes on in the body but what goes on at the level of consciousness. We will put all of the contacts to uh, sources of more information where you can find out more about Igor and his retreats and his YouTube channels and so on and so forth. They're all in the show notes. Please go and look because each one of these subjects could be an interview uh, by itself. Each question has the potential for that. And Igor speaks in great depth about a lot of questions that, that his students pose to him and about topics in general and the information is out there, I can highly encourage you to go and have a look at that. So, of course, if you feel that this information was useful to you, please pass it on to others. Please rate and review us over on iTunes. And, of course, if you would like to have extended show notes, please go over to londonheal.com become a London Healer Insider and receive extend, exclusive access to extended show notes and all the relevant links for um, future episodes. In this case, because we have a double episode going um, for those people who sign up uh, next week, then we would also include the show notes from this week. So we'll make a bit of an exception to the rules there. And so my dear listeners, Wishing you, as always, health, happiness and serenity.